Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Balog. Let's get started. Today, we will seek the answer to the question that so many Christians ask themselves at one point or another. I know I'm saved by God's grace alone, so why must I strive to be perfect? Please join us now as we put on our spiritual goggles and dive into Scripture in search of all the buried treasure we can find, anticipating our Lord's return. Let's listen now to the Word of God. The book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 10 through 12. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. That was the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 10 through 12. So long-time listeners will know that before attempting to interpret Scripture, we always use something called the SPACE method to get our bearings. SPACE is an acronym that we created to remind us to consider the speaker, SP, the audience, A, and the context, C, before attempting an explanation, E. Let's use the SPACE method here, Andy. Okay. So here we see in this verse that the speaker is our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of you at home that have Bibles with red letter print, when Jesus speaks, you will find this to be true for this verse. So if you see this particular scripture in the Bible, you see it's in red. Right. Hence, Lord Jesus Christ is the speaker. Another point, in the very next verse, Jesus calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Those are also in red letters. Yes, Andy. Here's an interesting fact that most people overlook. God the Father also calls himself, quote, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, end quote. We know this to be true, and of course, the amazing scholars that edit red letter Bibles knew this to be true as well. As a matter of fact, whenever God the Father is quoted, the lettering remains black. Another scriptural example of this occurs in Matthew 3.17, when God the Father speaks to John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, immediately after Jesus' baptism and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, black lettering, not red lettering. Okay, so now we move on to the audience. And we see here that the audience are actually the bondservants of Jesus Christ. And one thing I just want everyone to know at home is that not every Christian is a bondservant. And we're going to show everyone this now as we, as we go on with our study. 
So first point I want to make is that the book of Revelation was written by John the Apostle as per his vision on the island of Patmos. John also claimed authorship in chapter 21.8 of Revelation when he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. But a point here, however, in 21.6, we see that Revelation tells us that the Lord, quote, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And we learn that scripture helps define what a bondservant is according to God. Jordan, do you have some verses to support that for us? Yeah, for example, and if you can look in Galatians 1.10, which reads, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. And of course, Christ, we know that word means king. You know, in context, in this particular verse, Jordan, whenever we see the word, and we've studied this in the past, whenever we see Jesus's title as just the word Christ, He's emphasizing Christ the King, which we know right now he's our high priest, so it's potentially speaking of the future king to come. So in this verse in context, when he's saying, look, I'm not trying to please men, then I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ, meaning that right now we're serving the coming king with the hope of being part of his kingdom. And that's just a little point there, just to always keep in mind, it's a good tool to have in your spiritual tool belt, being able to, you know, justify what the meaning is of a scripture or, you know, potentially what the writer was trying to say so that we have proper doctrine and understanding that verse. So again, it's just one point that I'm glad you brought out. Uh, Moving on, Paul makes a clear distinction that Christians seeking God's favor and not man's can only qualify to be titled a quote-unquote bondservant. In 2 Timothy 2, 24-25, and I'll read it, it goes like this, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. So again, Paul here in the letter to Timothy, in the second letter, is, is defining what a bondservant should be. Obviously, the audience he's speaking to in this particular verse is the mature Christian. Jordan, talk to us a little bit about those last words there, those key words, repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Well, that's a kingdom reference, of course, and the the truth that he's speaking of there, the knowledge, is really the epinosis, the higher knowledge of of God's coming kingdom, and and what you mentioned in the context of wanting to serve this coming king. And I also thought about when you were talking about the parables, you know, and, and, and many of the parables that Jesus gave that are about the kingdom— he names the, uh, the people who receive reward or punishment as those who were servants, or the same Greek word doulas, which basically means slave or bondservant. So right. we, we can see in all the parables of the kingdom, they're also called um, bondservants or slaves. So that, that's how you know that this is about the kingdom and not about just some generic term. Exactly. Great point. And one more I'd like to mention is in the first verse in this book, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it immediately clarifies who the audience is or who the reader is that, you know, Jesus is directing this book to specifically. And again, we see the same words and it goes, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bond servants, the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant, John. So right off the bat, we know here that this book is a mature book. The things that are being taught 
God is asking for you know, more than just your faith in his son, Jesus Christ. He's asking you in, in this entire book to be faithful, uh, to be filled with hope, uh, to walk the straight and narrow path, and of course, to be a bondservant. In other words, you know, in, in layman's term, be willing to, to sacrifice all for the sake of Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. Yeah, and Revelation in general is definitely a book that you have to have spiritual ears and the mentality of a bondservant to even start to understand it. And of course, it is one of the most challenging books there is in the Bible. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, Pastor Whipple always taught us, um, the founder of his ministry, um, when he was alive, he used to always say to us that, that Satan doesn't want Christians to read this book and understand it. Yeah. So there is a special blessing that we get from studying this book because there's so much deep truth in here about the kingdom. Agreed. Moving on to the context, these words were spoken as part of Jesus's closing summary for the book of Revelation. Traditionally, scholars believe it was written around 96 AD. That was also around the time that obviously John was exiled to Patmos, the end of his life. He was one of, I guess, the oldest living apostles at that time. Uh, according to historians in scripture, you know, John had been excommunicated to that island for his ministry and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, the, the main theme of the book is something called eschatology. Eschatology being a, a fancy theological word, just, just saying that it's concerned with the death, judgment, and final destiny of the soul and all of humankind. Yeah, Jordan, you know, chapter 22 is the last chapter in Revelation here, and that's where we get our verse. And, you know, our verse in today's study can be best called a summary verse in our Lord's closing. And this chapter actually, um, the chapters prior detailed the future events to occur for all mankind. Um, all of creation, and of course, the fall of Satan himself. So it's a beautiful thing that God has given us to be able to summarize what's going to happen. It gives us that hope and that faith to know that everything's going to be okay, regardless of what we go through in this life. And that's, you know, for all our listeners, regardless. If you ever feel down and out, I'm telling you, and I think that's one of the blessings that, you know, our, our former pastor, Pastor Gary Whipple, was, was trying to exercise with with his, you know, throughout his ministry is that make Revelation a daily part of your studies because they're such a big blessing. And the blessing is a spiritual blessing, obviously. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean I'm going to be, you know, famous and rich or anything like that. But what it does is it really gives you an anchor to your soul. It gives you that confidence and faith to know that whatever you're going through, and we all go through, you know, disasters in life. There's good times, there's bad times, there's peaks, there's valleys. But reading Revelation daily, keeps your focus on the kingdom. It keeps your, your head looking high. And, you know, and then you kind of look back and you look down sometimes at your life once you go through a study in Revelation and you realize, you know what, it's all going to be okay. Regardless, it's all going to be okay. So, you know, having that, that joy in your heart of knowing that, you know, God already has revealed to us the beautiful plan laid out, and we get to have a, a sneak peek into the ending of mankind. Yeah, like if you know the future, you know the end is going to, it's all going to turn out all right, then, then you can be encouraged by that. You know, as you were talking, I just sure. thought about, I thought about when I was a young, young man and I left high school and I went straight to basic training to uh, serve in the military. And, you know, a lot of people in the middle of basic training, boot camp, whatever you want to call it, they just get really depressed. Some people even try to commit suicide. Like, it, it's just insane. And, and I always had this mentality of, well, I know it's hard now. The guy's yelling at you. You're getting up early. Life, life is really not good. But you know how long basic training is. You know, you know what's going to happen at the end. You, you've heard all about it. You've met people who graduated out of it. You know this is going to end at some point, and it's going to end well. And, and that, just that thought alone, knowing what the end was going to be, 
was enough to motivate yeah. me, you know, yeah. to, to keep a positive attitude. Like you said, keep your head up yeah. and, and just not get bogged down in that, that sort of depression that some people got bogged down in. So I think it's sort of the same thing here. And again, why I, why I think Pastor Whipple said Satan doesn't want us to read this book because it, it tells you the end and it lets you know that, you know, Satan's not going to win. And exactly. of course, he doesn't want you to know that. He wants to deceive you into believing that he can win. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And, you know, in, in summary, you could say Jesus unmasks Satan for who he is. Right. He's a loser. And all glory goes to the Lord Jesus Christ for, for being the winner. And he won for us. So how much more should we honor him and worship him and thank him for that? Right. Which we do. Um, you know, and, and then finally, for context, you know, beyond our verse study for today, we, you know, we both know and we believe that Revelation 22.20 truly complements a, a theme message to all faithful Christians alike when Jesus finishes with those famous words, yes, I'm coming quickly. Now that we know the speaker, audience, and context of our scripture, we're ready to attempt an explanation. There are three keys to unlocking this verse. These keys make up a principle that all Christians should live by. The eager anticipation of our Lord's return keeps us living productively, and for a very good reason. Let's go over them one by one, Andy. Okay, so key number one is watch faithfully. The Word of God encourages us to stand fast in courage and in strength. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 reads, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Yeah, we need to watch soberly and arm ourselves with faith, love, and the full understanding of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. You know, that word hope is um, often, Jordan, m most people read it and they kind of intertwine the word hope with faith when really they're probably for two opposite sides of the spectrum. And I know we've studied this before. Right. But in case you're a new listener or maybe, you, you know, just you haven't heard us study this with you before, faith is something that you are 100% confident of. And the action there is rest. Right. Right. It's, it's like that famous scripture, be still and know that I am God. That would be your faith exercised. It's when you do nothing, you're exercising faith. Whereas hope is different. Hope is something that we anticipate, that, you know, we're, we're striving for and we're banking on and has not come into fruition. And bottom line, we don't know if it's going to happen or not. So in this particular verse, the one you just read, Knowing now that what the hope of salvation, the true definition of it is, we know what the context is. The context is, is not having everlasting life by just believing in Jesus Christ, but the context here is that if you do these things, which are, you know, hey, look, we're of the day, let's be sober, you know, keep your faith and your love as a helmet on your head for the hope of salvation, Works. meaning that exactly, we hope that we can get saved, not to have everlasting life but to qualify to come back with Jesus Christ as joint heirs with him, to serve him in his millennial kingdom. Right. We have faith in the salvation of the spirit. We hope for the salvation of the soul, which is salvation into the kingdom. Exactly. And, you know, while watching, we are also to remain aware of false prophets. That's very key in, in many different of the epistles. For example, um, you know, of course, Paul wrote about it many times, but, but Peter as well. Second Peter 2.1 says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, keywords, 
even denying the master who bought them. And that master is capital because it's speaking of our Lord, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Yeah, it's a great verse, Jordan. And you know that one particular phrase there, even denying the master who bought them. So if we look at that carefully and focus, we see there that he's talking about false prophets, not, not that they're not necessarily saved. They could be saved, but they could be spreading a false doctrine, right? right? A carnal, selfish, what-have-you type doctrine that doesn't line up with Scripture. And here we see that these, they're, they're categorized as false prophets in God's eyes because they deny the master who bought them. So if they were procured or purchased with a price, which was the blood of Jesus Christ, here they're denying him, not necessarily that they don't believe in him, but they're denying what Jesus did for them on the cross, which was pay for sin in full. So it often, and this is from, you know, just my opinion, it kind of makes me think of a lot of, you know, what I believe, according to Scripture, to be false prophets, false teachers who are teaching people in their congregation that a person could lose their salvation. And if a person doesn't know the difference between, like you mentioned earlier, the salvation of the Spirit versus the salvation of the soul, they're going to mix those, and they're going to start creating metaphors where they don't apply. And, and here, what we understand to be true is that even false prophets can be saved. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make it to the millennial kingdom because they're teaching the wrong doctrine. Moving on, we're also to discern spirits and reject all who do not confess Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And you find that in 1 John 4, 1-2, which says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Amen. Another point, Jesus spoke to John the Apostle, again his bondservant, to remain watchful. And we see that in Revelation 16, 15. And it goes like this. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes, so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. Again, all these points that we just brought out, Jordan, support, you know, our, our first key here, is, which is to remain watchful. Stay watchful. Okay, and then key number two is to work diligently. Here's a question. Ever ask yourself why Jesus leaves us here on the earth after he saves us? Why aren't we born again, then immediately taken into the Lord's presence? It's a good question, right? Well, what's the answer, Andy? Well, simply put, Jordan, now that we are saved, we have work to do. We are to be the Lord's witnesses. That's our job now that we're saved. And we're to tell of the love of God and the atoning death of Jesus Christ. And of course, we're to testify to others about all that he has done in our lives specifically, both with our words and by example in our actions. And, you know, as long as there remains a soul on earth who hasn't heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we, we all still have much to do. There's no doubt. Yeah, so true. Finally, key number three is to wait peacefully. And of course, peacefully is the key word there. Did you know that more than 400 times in Scripture, the Lord commands us to not fear, but to enjoy peace? He calls his children to keep peace in their lives as we await his return. The Bible also teaches that apart from Jesus, there is no peace. He is the Prince of Peace. With Jesus, we can experience peace that surpasses all human understanding and settles deep within us. For example, you can look at Philippians 4, 6-7, which reads, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses. Okay, so question. What is the everyday takeaway from this passage of Scripture 
that we study today? Well, Jordan, it's basically summed up in three simple points that we, we need to make sure that everyone listening understands and hopefully never forgets. Number one, as Christians, we need to remain faithful and we must be on our guard always, always be on guard. Like scripture says, he is coming quickly and we don't know the day or the time or the hour, but we know it soon. I mean, just look at the world today, right? Number two, we must fully understand the reward that he will bring. If we don't know about the reward, we have no hope. We have, you know, no preview of what's to come. And like you mentioned earlier in your analogy when you were in boot camp, you know, knowing that you've met people who've made it through and now are successful in the military, that's what kept your head up, right? That's what gave you that, that hope of saying, you know, I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to man up and just get through this because I know there's a reward for me at the end if I'm just willing to push through. And that's why it's key, and that's why we want more and more people to know about our ministry, because we want to teach the kingdom truths. We want to show people scripturally what God has in store for faithful Christians. And then finally, Jordan, we, we need to remember, we will get what we deserve. I mean, that's for sure. God is a fair judge. There's you know no way of like, hey, maybe I, I know the judge, and the judge is good friends with me, and he'll kind of like bypass some of the things I did wrong. So it's, it's important to know that at the judgment seat of Christ, every Christian will be there. And we will all be judged for everything we did, everything we thought, all our intentions, whether they were good or bad. So it's key to remember that, you know, having that respect and fear and honor for God, knowing that he will judge us for everything that we've, we've done, that we're going to be rewarded based on that. Great points, Andy. Thank you. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes left for Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later, or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in on our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any question you might have. We do have a growing Facebook community as well and a discussion forum. While you're on the site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added to the site. And when you sign up for our email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series that we've titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. And it's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org. We'll get you there much faster. Moving on to Give 20, this is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians today are struggling to make time to study God's Word, and maybe they're feeling guilty that they aren't often able to do that. We all know studying the Word of God is vital to our spiritual growth, yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. That's why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute, every cent, will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and just click donate.
And finally, 20-Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you like what you heard today and want to get deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. If you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rights reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.